Welcome to the Home Church Podcast. My name's Kenny, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Home Church, and we gather in Maiden, North Carolina. We're so glad you tuned in to today's episode, and we hope that this episode will help encourage you and inspire you as you continue to follow Jesus step by step. Uh, well, hey, good morning and welcome to Home Church. Uh, my name is Kenny, and uh, it is uh, an unbelievable honor to be the lead pastor here. And I don't know if you are looking forward to Christmas. Uh, anybody in the room, actually, you, you love Christmas, you're looking forward to it. Oh, okay, that's a lot of people, that's good. Um, because here's what I saw, uh, and this has been happening especially a lot lately, is I've been seeing people go straight from Halloween to Christmas. Like Thanksgiving, we're thankful for you, but we ain't worried about you. We're we just moving straight on. And this has been, Christmas has been a big deal for most of my life. Um, man, when I was a kid, Christmas, my mom and dad made Christmas, like it was just huge, right? I mean, so all the buildup of Santa Claus and all that stuff. And, and, uh, and so one of the things that we just were constantly anticipating Christmas. And the closer that we got, the more buildup there was. Anybody else have that same experience? Well, uh, we're, a couple of things. Number one is uh, this season is called Advent. It's kind of the season leading up to Christmas, and it really means uh, it's translated into the coming or the arrival. So all of this is building up to, to Jesus' birth. But I, how many of you know, like for us, the only time, thing we think about at Christmas was like the, the presents, Right. Santa Claus coming on Christmas morning. Like, that's what we thought about mostly uh, as kids, and me and my brother especially. Now, I'm going to tell you something that you have to promise that you will not hold against me, all right? So before I even tell you, I need a promise. All right, raise your right hand and say, I promise I won't hold this against you. All right, wait till you hear it, though. So uh, every year in anticipation of Christmas, like this building growing anticipation, my brother and I, we were so excited. And then finally on Christmas Eve night, every single year until the year I got married, my brother and I slept in the same bed on Christmas Eve. We did. I know, listen, and I didn't get married till 28. I'm just saying. So. <laughs> Right. So listen, but it was just the thing that we did. And part of it was because we were we were just anticipating this thing that we had become so accustomed to. We loved it. We looked forward to it so much. And 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 listen, I, you promised. OK. And if you didn't raise your hand and promise, then I don't know. You're in church. OK. But there was this thing that my mother did um, every year was she would buy uh, one of these. She would buy a brand new stuffy every single year. And every single year on Christmas morning at like the tail crack of dawn, because we're in church, <laughs> she would grab this stuffy and she would come running through the house. And there would be some kind of song, you know, that these stuffies would sing. And she'd come in and she'd rub it in your face and she'd say, wake up and Santa Claus has come and kind of all that stuff. And, you know, this is like five o'clock in the morning, and even though we were excited, okay, that's enough of that. Traumatic memories right there. I'm just kidding. But even though we were excited, like, and even though we were anticipating this moment of waking up and Christmas and all that stuff, like, there was something that would just jolt you right out of bed when you heard that jingling and that, that stuffy, and my mom blowing through the door, and all the, the lights are on, and it's like, Yo, what is going on? And it was just this moment that we look forward to. And man, like, I, I, this is what I think about. And this is the only thing in, in my life that I can truly tie down to one of the things that I think most people 
in Scripture had this, this like anticipation that they just constantly walked with. And so today, is we're going to do a two-week series around Advent, and it's called The Coming. And so this week, we're going to talk about The Coming. And next week, we're going to kind of wrap it up right before our Christmas services, and it's going to be awesome. And so, uh, and so here's what I want to do. I want to show you uh, throughout Scripture how there's always been this longing, this yearning, this waiting, this prophecy, this looking forward to, this anticipation of who Jesus is, the Messiah, the promised Savior. And so today, I want to walk you through some Scripture and show you this, and then I want to show you how these, these prophecies, because I don't know if your parents did this, but they would always promise, like, Santa Claus is going to be there. I'm telling you, you don't have to worry. I know you did some bad things. You're not on the bad list. You're not on the naughty list. I promise you. Like, there was always these promises that Christmas was coming. And, and these people constantly had promises that God made to them over and over and over again, prophesying, looking forward to, stating, saying, you can count on the Savior to come. So I want to show you these things, and so I don't always tell you this, but today I want to tell you the, the title of my sermon as I was thinking about it today. Here's, here's kind of the idea that I'm going with today, which is this idea that Jesus has always been coming. Jesus has always been coming. And so again, we're, we're looking at Advent, and it means the coming or the arrival. And I want to show you how Jesus has always been coming. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in lots of places today. So uh, Bible gymnastics for, for those, some of you today, you're going to love it. Uh, if you don't have your Bible, there's a home church app that you can download. Uh, we have our scripture lined up for you to make it really easy. Uh, also, if you don't have either of those, completely okay. We'll put scripture on the screens. And if you're watching online or watching this later, you will catch the scripture at my feet. So uh, here is kind of, here's what the word of God says about the arrival, the coming Advent, looking forward to Jesus. And all of this started right after the fall of man. So in Genesis, Adam and Eve are, uh, are, are tempted and they partake of the fruit and sin enters into the world. And then God, uh, and God ultimately then curses them. But in that same moment, he tells them and he starts to begin to prophesy. The very first prophecy of Jesus is right here in the story of creation and in the beginning. So if you have your Bible, join me in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 in verse 15. Here's what the Bible says. This is, this is, what, this is what God is telling Adam and Eve right after sin. He says, uh, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is Jesus kind of, uh, this is God setting, setting forth Jesus already in Scripture. There's this moment where he's having this conversation, Adam and Eve have sinned, and he's, and he's cursing the devil, Satan, and he's prophesying Jesus already in this moment. He says that the offspring of Eve already, the first woman, the offspring of her, the seed, if you look in your Bible, it might even actually, your translation might have that word seed in it, and it would probably be capitalized because he is prophesying and foreshadowing the ultimate seed, the ultimate offspring in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on. God continues to make this promise throughout Scripture. He makes this promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3. He says, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse you, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. 
Abraham was the founding father of our faith and, and the lineage in which Jesus was born. If you go back and read uh, the beginning part of Matthew, there's a, there's a, a lineage that lays out all of Jesus' uh, forefathers, and it starts with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the fathers of our faith. And this is the promise that God made to Abraham, that through him, all peoples on the earth would be blessed. He was foreshadowing and preaching ahead and prophesying the coming Messiah. Well, it didn't stop with Abraham. It continued on to another forefather in our faith, King David. This is, a, this is a promise that's made in 2 Samuel chapter 7, in verse 12 and 13. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. A lot of people think that, that, that God is talking about Solomon, who is David's son, who would build the temple, but really this is a prophecy about Jesus. The bloodline through David that Jesus would be born out of, that God would set his throne on, that he would set his kingdom on, that he would set his empire on, is on Jesus, and he will rule and reign forever. This is another prophecy looking forward to Jesus. And this is generations and generations and generations, even before we get to Jesus. And then God spoke through the prophet Isaiah about Jesus. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, he says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and, and you will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel is translated to mean God with us. And so here, God is speaking through a prophet to his people to start to prophesy this Jesus. And now he's not just saying, hey, this Messiah is going to come. He's starting to give some examples and some specificity for how this is going to look, what it's going to look like, how this is all going to go down. So not only now is God speaking about this coming Messiah, he's giving some insight into how and who and when and where. It's incredible. And then to the prophet Micah, Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, he says this, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you are small among the clans of Judah. Out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. So here we go, man. Like God, God is continuing to promise this Messiah. Now, not only is it going to come from a virgin birth, but he's saying that this is going to come from Bethlehem, which is a, a part of the tribe of Judah. He's starting to nail this down and really hone in on who this is. And so from the beginning until Christ's birth, we actually see that there are over 6,000 years. Now, I don't know what scientists will tell you. They'll try to tell you that there are billions of years and all that stuff. But, but most scholars believe that from the creation up until Christ's birth, there's about 6,000 years. And so we have 6,000 years of God speaking and prophesying and making this promise that a Messiah, a Savior, would come. Why? Because right after creation, sin entered the world. There was a need for a Savior. He would have no, no reason to send his son, to send a, a Savior, to send a Messiah, if there weren't a purpose. And the purpose was that sin entered the world. And because of that, Anyone born after Adam and Eve carried with them original sin and were bound to death. And inside of their birth, they were born ultimately to die with the penalty of sin on them. 
but they needed saving. In fact, we all need saving. And this has been the promise from the very beginning that we needed a Savior. And so, finally, we get into Matthew, and we start to see this Savior come, the Messiah, this promised Messiah. His name is Yeshua. He has many names. Yeshua, Jesus, Emmanuel. You will see these things. So I want to show you this, the story of Christ's birth. And I want you to see how all of these prophecies become fulfilled, all in this one telling of Matthew. Now, you need to understand this about Matthew. Matthew, uh, who wrote the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew is, uh, was a tax collector, but he was also a Jewish man. So he would have been raised to know all about God, to know all about Yahweh. He would have heard about a Messiah. He would have known about all of these things. But he turned away from his people. He turned away from his belief, and he took a job as a tax collector for the Roman government. He was basically taking from his own people. So when Matthew has an encounter with Jesus, and then he turns around and later starts to write this gospel about Jesus, Matthew's writing from this perspective of a Jewish man who has run away, and he's giving some full context here, and I love how Matthew does a masterful job of pulling in all of these prophecies that I've showed you and pointing to Jesus and proving that Jesus is that promised one. So I want to read some of this Christmas story to you from Matthew, starting in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. So I'll give you a second to get there. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. This is the first book in the New Testament. And this is how the story goes. I want you to see, I want you to see these prophecies start to come to life right here in this story. Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. Now, real quick, the law is ultimately how God's people were, were to stay right and reconciled to him before Jesus. They would, they would ultimately try to live this life of perfection. There were 613 laws that they would try to live out and fulfill. You and I know about 10 of them, but they, they had 603 more that they were trying to follow along with. Like, yo, how many of us have failed at the 10, let alone the 613? To make themselves right with God, they had to come and they offered a sacrifice to make themselves right in the eyes of God. This was the way all throughout history up until Jesus. And so this is saying that Joseph was trying to live by this law. Uh, and yet, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, wait, where did we hear that name before? <laughs> Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, or Yeshua, because he will save his people from their sins. This has been the promise all along. For a people who continuously were having to make sacrifices to make amends for what they've done to make themselves right with God, riddled with sin, just like me and you. The only way to make themselves right was to make a sacrifice. But God, in his graciousness, in his mercy, in his kindness, provided the ultimate sacrifice in Jesus for this 
purpose right here, to save us from our sin. It's a beautiful promise. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Wait, did, I'm just, maybe I'm a little confused. That seems familiar. Did we read that earlier? I think, I think we did. I think we read that a little earlier. It goes on, verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave them the name Jesus. The story continues into Matthew chapter 2 in verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. So here we go. I want, I want you to see this beautiful, beautiful tapestry. This wovenness of this promise that's been made from generation to generation to generation to generation about a coming Messiah, a promised Savior, someone who would bring hope to us, someone who would forgive us of our sins. And ultimately, we got to this place, and now here Matthew is weaving this beautiful tapestry of all of these prophecies that a virgin would give birth and that he would be named Emmanuel, that he would come from Bethlehem out of the tribe of Judah. Verse 2, and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. Why, why would they be disturbed? Well, because 6,000 years of promise is coming true. Have you ever got to a Christmas morning and all this promise and all this hope and all this stuff, and, 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 you're, and you're heading down. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you before, but there's been times that I've asked for a drum set, and I walked down and got a basketball hoop, all right? And the basketball hoop was awesome, but I was expecting a drum set. And then there are these times that after that you come, and you're coming with anticipation, but you're not quite sure. Like, is this going to be it? Is this going to be the time? These people for 6,000 years had had people who claimed to be the Messiah, they had people who had done acts and wonders and performed miracles who claimed to be the Messiah. So here we are. They were disturbed because there's all this rumblings about all of these prophecies and promises that are actually coming true. And these people who had put their hope in the promise, they were disturbed. Man, are we going to be let down again? Is this going to let us down yet again? Verse 4. When he, had call, uh, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was born, in Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This is Matthew, again, beautifully weaving these promises and these prophecies in. One of the things that if you're reading Scripture, a, a nice little uh, tip and hint, especially in the New Testament, when you're reading in the New Testament and you see something in quotations, it means one of two things. Either someone has literally just said that in the moment, or it is referring to, it is quoting Scripture from old. 
So anytime you're reading and you see something in, in quotations, you need to understand either someone is speaking in that moment or they are referencing something that has been spoken in the past. And usually in your Bible, there's a little footnote down there that'll tell you. And if you go back to this moment, it will point back to the scripture that we've already read today. This is Matthew showing us this is not just hope. This is the promise coming fulfilled. This Jesus, this Messiah that you've longed for, that you hoped for, he's here. Verse seven, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star rose, uh, star that they had seen when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed, and on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warmed in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up and took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod, and so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. And again, another prophecy fulfilled here in this moment. My friends, I, I lay out all of this scripture today. I don't know some of you are like, man, that was a lot of scripture. Yeah. I want you to see how powerful and beautiful the scriptures are. And, and, and here's what I, it, to me, here's what it does. It, it starts to define what I presented to you from the very beginning. That Jesus has always been coming. From the very beginning, Jesus has always been coming. The promise, the Messiah, the hope, the need of salvation has always been coming. And finally, here in this moment, the promise is fulfilled. And the scripture backs it up. All of these scriptures point to one thing and one thing only. The promise has been fulfilled. And so here are three things real quick, and I'm going to wrap up today. Uh, There are three things that I think this means to me and you. Because you might be saying, yo, I've heard this story, like I've seen all this, I've heard about all these prophecies, like that sounds cool, but yo, pastor, like what, what, is, what does that mean for me? Like how do I apply this into my life? That's, I'm glad you asked, that's a, that's a good question. Number one is this, uh, is that, number one is that God fulfilled the promise of Christ, anything he promised in its time will come to pass. I want you to hear this, I want you to understand this. That because of all these promises that we've seen fulfilled, that God is faithful to fulfill his promises. And for me and you, it gives us hope and assurance that all the other promises that he made to us, in its own time, it will come to pass. It will. Uh, the, the second thing that I need you to see is, uh, well, and l- let me say this as well. Um, I, I want to speak to the sacrificial system, right? Uh, because... Um, there, there were so many things that people would have to do to ultimately make themselves right with God. 
the system from the very beginning was that there would be sin in their life and they would have to provide a sacrifice to make right for that. Uh, the shedding of innocent blood was always the desired and the need to cover sin. And, and so the, the beauty of this promise for me and you is that you and I don't have to go and kill any animals right now. Right now, I know some of y'all want to. I know, I know some of y'all are like, "Yo, I should have been in the woods today," <laughs> um, or just drive down the road enough. You, you'll knock one down real soon, I'm, I'm sure. Right, but but that was the need to make yourself right with God. And the beauty of the promise of the Messiah is the thing that the Scripture says is the reason He came was to save you from your sin, friend. Man. It, if you walk away with nothing else today, and I know we're looking forward to Christmas and gifts and, and meals and all that kind of stuff, and it's the Christmas season and, uh, you know, pumpkin spice latte and all that, you know, stuff, whatever. Man, if you walk away with nothing, please hear this, that as we celebrate Christmas, as we look towards the Advent, as we look to celebrate the arrival, the coming, the one and only reason that Christ came, gave his life up for me and you, was to save you from your sin. Man, you want to talk about a gift. God's gift to you is his son, Christ. There's no better gift to receive. You don't have to kill anything to get it. In fact, the beautiful part about faith is you have to do nothing. It is a gift freely given to you by God. The gift of faith to believe that Jesus actually was a real human, fully God, fully man, lived a perfect life, born of a virgin, died on a cross, paid the price for your sin, was buried, three days later, rose again. The gift of faith gives you the ability to believe in that, and it's a gift that's freely given to you. You know, one of the funny things about Christmas is uh, I've never uh, left a Christmas party with a gift still under the tree, at least not with my name on it. Anybody? Yo, I'm not doing that. Somebody left a gift for your boy, guess what? I'm going to open it. Man, there are so many people who come, have come to church many times, have heard the good news of Jesus, and the gift of faith has been wrapped and freely given to you, and you've walked away from that gift so many times, and I can't understand it. Maybe today's the day to open it. Number two, what do, what do you need to know? So number one was that God fulfilled his promise of Christ, and so anything else he promised in its time will come to pass. Number two, God is not shy about calling a shot. I love this about our God, that, that he is not shy about calling a shot. All throughout history, he's like, yo, I'm going to send a Savior. He's going to save you from your sin. He's going to come from a virgin birth. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. He's going to escape into Egypt. Like All these things, Like I love that. And all that does is it gives me more ammunition in my faith to believe that God is true to his word, that he's true to his word, that he called his shot. You know, we, we celebrate Babe Ruth. Uh, there's this lore of Babe Ruth at one point standing in the batter's box, pointing, calling a shot, and then puts it there. I got news for you. This is better than Babe Ruth. This is good. And number three is this. I'm going to invite Grayson to come join me. Uh, number three is this is the birth of Christ is the fulfillment of a promise to those of the past. Hear this. The birth of Christ is the fulfillment of a promise to those of the past, but it speaks to his faithfulness to us today. It speaks to his faithfulness for us today. 
Because all of these folks have been waiting and anticipating this promise, this arrival. They're just waiting. And finally, he comes. The promise is fulfilled. And now here we are, you know, we, we take for granted the fact that Jesus has already come. We take for granted that we have this gospel and we have this incredible Bible that points back to Jesus and all of this wisdom and knowledge of the history that's happened for us to be able to look back to and hold on to. These folks had none of that. They just had the promise of something yet to come. You and I have the promise of something that has already come. It should give us hope. It should give us hope. Jesus has always been coming. And all the way leading up to that Christmas thing that we celebrate, the birth of Christ. But I got some good news for you, friends. One of the things that, you know, now that I'm a little older, I I, I think about the little stuffy thing that my mom did. And if you've ever seen my kids, today's actually my twin's birthday. I have uh, five-year-old twins today. And uh, today's their birthday. And of course, man, they love stuffies. And they love stuffies that make sound. And uh, they continue to play these things. And it's a constant reminder. And I go right back to those Christmas mornings of my mom. You know, there's this thing that she would do. And the stuffy was, the song was an announcement, it was a proclamation. Get up! I got good news for you. Santa has come. Come and enjoy. But friends, I got better news for you. Christ has already come. And if you are a believer, I got real good news for you. There's going to be a day, it ain't going to be a stuffy, but there's going to be a trumpet that will sound in heaven. And the angels are going to rejoice, and the heavens are going to open, and Christ is going to come back to this earth to receive his bride. He's going to come back not as a baby, but he's going to come back as a bridegroom to receive me and you, those that have put our faith and our trust in him, who have believed in this promise of past, who is still palpable and present for us today. There's going to be a day and a moment where the proclamation of his arrival is not that he's coming, but that he's coming again. And I got news for you, believer. He is coming again. There's going to be a day when the trumpet will sound and heaven will open and he's going to come and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Christ Jesus is Lord. And he will rule and he will reign and he will create peace on earth. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the King of all kings. He is everything that we've ever hoped for. And He is already here. He has already come. And for those of us who believe in Him, I got good news for you, friend. He's coming again. He's coming again. Jesus has always been coming. From the very beginning when sin entered, He was needed. He finally came. And for those of us that believe, we have good news to hold on to today that Christ Jesus is always coming because He's coming back one day for us. It's good news. In the twinkling of an eye, in a moment, he will come back. And Advent will happen all over again. The coming, the arrival will happen all over again for you and for I, for me. Katie will correct me about that later. (laughs) This promise that our forefathers told about, prophesied about, held on to, put all their faith in, finally came to pass in Christ Jesus. And here we are in the year 2023. We only call it 2023 because we mark his birth and his death. 
And so over 2,000 years ago, Christ Jesus, those prophecies actually came to pass. He was actually born of a virgin. He actually lived a perfect life. He actually died on a cross. He paid the price for your sin. He got back up through the Holy Spirit, out of the grave, walked the earth again, and ascended into heaven. And right now, he waits for the moment that God says go. And he will arrive again. And for those of us that carry and have received and opened that gift of faith, that is good news. That is good news. Well, man, during this Christmas season, I know sometimes it's really good for a lot of folks and it's really difficult for a lot of folks. I know that. But whatever your situation is, whatever your circumstances are, there is a gift on offer for you today. There might, listen, you might wake up Christmas morning, you might be broke, there might not even be a tree there. But there is a gift on offer for you today, right now. The gift of faith. Well, Pastor, how, how do I know that this gift is being offered to me? It's real simple. I've been talking today, and I've just been telling you a story that many of you have heard so many times. And yet the Spirit of God is tugging at your heart saying, that gift is for you. I'm trying to give you that gift. I want you to receive me. That's the Spirit of God speaking to you right now. I want to give you a chance to receive that gift right this moment. Would you bow your heads where you are? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes right where you sit? The Scriptures say that if you believe in your heart that Christ Jesus was raised from the dead, and if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you would be saved. Now remember, Jesus came for the sole purpose to save you from your sin. He paid the price for your sin. But just like an unopened gift, the gift of faith does you no good unless you receive it. So I want to give you the ability right now, I want to give you the chance right now to receive the gift of faith. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and I just want you to know it's not a magical prayer. It's not even really the words you say. It's about the posture of your heart. If you've never received the gift of faith, and right now you know that Christ Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart, this moment was for you, and you can receive him right now. I'll invite everyone to pray out loud with me for the benefit of anyone who may be praying for the very first time. Pray with me. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I'm lost without you. I need you in my life. I believe that you are the son of God. I believe you were born of a virgin. I believe that you lived a perfect life. I believe that you died and paid for my sin. And I believe you rose again. Because I believe those things, will you save me? And help me follow you the rest of my days, the best I know. Hey, your, your heads are still bowed. Your eyes are still closed. I'll, I'll just be very honest. This is for no one other than me and you. <laughs> I just want to invite you. It, no one's looking around. This is just for your benefit and mine. But, but if you receive the gift of faith just now, you pray that prayer for the very first time, you truly meant it. No one's looking around. I just invite you to raise your hand above your head. No one can see you, just me. 
Just move. Everybody raise your hand. Amen. Any others? Amen. That's encouraging. All right, church, I'll invite you to lift your eyes. And I just want to encourage you, this Christmas season, we have a lot to anticipate, a lot to look forward to. And the beautiful part is that this whole thing is about how heaven came down to earth. See, many people try to work and try to do everything we can to sacrifice to earn God's favor. You don't have to earn anything. You just simply have to receive it. Many people try to climb the ladder of faith, and our God is so good. You have to climb nothing. He came down to you. And so I'll invite you to stand, and over these next moments, we're going to sing about how heaven came down to earth for me and for you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If there's anything that we can do to serve you or come alongside of you in your journey, please reach out. You can reach us at hello at myhomechurch.cc.